Welcome to Good Isn't Good Enough. I'm Charles Commons, and on this episode, I'm joined by cybersecurity strategist at Proofpoint, Matt Cook. Hello, Matt. Hey, Charles. And the Centre for Strategic Cyberspace and International Studies President and CEO, and the host of the CyberTribe podcast, Richard Zalewski. How are you, Rich? You okay? I'm doing good, Charles. Thanks for having me. Good. Thank you. Very welcome, both of you. So, on the last episode of this podcast series, if you've not listened to it, do go back and have a listen. I spoke with Sammy Davies, and we were speaking about lots and lots of really cool things about account compromise and the clouds, etc. And one of the things that Sammy mentioned was about Microsoft 365 and the fact that while it does come with some security tools, and obviously there are other platforms just like Microsoft 365 as well, those security tools aren't actually good enough any longer. And I'd just like to start off by asking both of you, we'll start with Matt, why those security tools aren't good enough? And also, should we really be trusting these platform providers to secure themselves in the first place? Yeah, that. That second part is the is, is the super interesting bit. And I, I guess the way you answer that, or the way I answer that is, first of all, start off, what, what does good look like? And, and to be honest, every almost any email security solution that you can pick up, whether that's one that's you know baked into Office 365 or, or Google Workplace or, or any other platform, is good. And it's a really good email security platform. And the reason it's good is because it can pick up on the majority of threats and filter them out so that they're not arriving in users' inboxes. And so, you know, that's a great start. One of the challenges that organizations are facing is that a lot of the threats that are coming through, the really bad stuff, is the stuff that represents most risk to them. And the, the reason this, this, the threats as they come through are really bad is because they're very much targeted. You know, they've been focused or they've been focused on their own individual people you know, where the research has been done in, and, and to kind of identify the people and the threats themselves have been customized and tailored in order to reach those people and often will get through those basic defenses that are good at blocking the majority, you know, the, the majority of the world's bad email traffic that, you know, most people know about and therefore can block and it's kind of easy. It's mass delivered stuff. But it, this really targeted threats are really the challenges that a lot of organizations face. Then the second point that you made was, you know, how can they spot threats that actually exist on their platform, which I know Sammy was talking about a little bit. And this is kind of really super interesting because actually over the last year at Proofpoint, we, we took a look back at all of the email traffic that we see. And of course, in that, there's a whole bunch of emails with malicious links where people click on the links and it takes them either directly to malware or to a phishing campaign or whatever it happens to be. And if we look at the sites where those links are hosted, the largest site by far was OneDrive, was on SharePoint, was on Microsoft hosted platforms. And that kind of makes sense from an attacker's perspective. Of course, why would they not use the platforms that we use? Because if they generate an email with a, a fishy link in it, it needs to look like the links that we receive every day. And of course they do. You know, you try and decipher one of those links. It's a real, real challenge. So, you know, they're ultimately using those platforms. And, and as people, if it's really hard for us to decipher those links, as from a technology perspective, it can become really, really difficult for the, the platform itself to actually identify whether those links are, are malicious or not. So, you know, to go back to the sort of the initial point, why isn't good good enough? Well, 
actually it's because it's not good enough at stopping the very, very targeted threats that have been you know, tailored for us. And that's, that's generally what we see. And I suppose, Rich, it's also the fact that essentially Microsoft, for example, in this case, what they're trying to do is, is actually create and, and give us and other organizations platforms to be able to work together in the cloud on Word documents and all sorts of different software solutions that is their main priority rather than the security aspect that that does definitely come second yeah absolutely and historically it's always been like that like going back you know years like i've i've been following this stuff you know for a long time i've been in the industry a long time and the same talking points resonate it's just another avenue in and the weakest points always the people and look no further than what happened with the, the COVID pandemic and, and everybody, you know, working from home, which means sharing stuff. COVID, it, it was a game changer on two levels. One, for the attacks and two, for the people who were trying to do actual, you know, work. So when, you know, cyber criminals and gangs and, and whoever is on, on the threat end looked at this, they went, okay, now they're out of their element. Now they're on their home networks. Now they're... Kids may be using the computer, even if it's a work computer. There's a lot more threat vectors coming in. Who knows after that what, what can actually happen? And the soft underbelly of any organization is the people. And unless you have really good cybersecurity awareness programs, have a good layer of defense, you're going to have issues. And there's really nothing new here in the broader context of what cybersecurity is. But the threats are a lot more sophisticated. They're a lot more targeted. But the same stuff still happens. I still get the traditional Nigerian prince scam. I still get those. Because they work, right? It's still prevalent, but you have to have a layer of defenses. So when you're talking about applications and, and organizations doing stuff like Proofpoint and looping that into awareness programs inside of an organization, that's what you need. So yeah, good isn't good enough. And some of these applications as as uh, we just mentioned, within Microsoft, are great. They do the basics really well. They filter out. But once you get past that filtering into the targeted attacks with the phishing and all the stuff that's going on with these things, then you're starting to get into some of the gray water area where it's murky and people don't understand. And, oh, I got it from Matt. I got it from, you know, Charles. And I trust Charles. Meanwhile, Charles has been compromised. Now you are. So. Nothing new, but new. And that's the key. Yeah, it was one of the things that Neil was talking about on episode three was the fact that while, yes, the Nigerian print scam is still going on, uh, there are more sophisticated attacks. And, and now BEC is essentially looking at, he mentioned the PATH incident, where basically one area of the business received an email from the other one that looked like it had come from the other one. And in fact, it hadn't. And it was completely cloned. An incredibly detailed, essentially, looking email. They didn't think twice about it. They went to, you know, one person, I think it was the CEO, turned around to their finance officer, I think it was, and, and said, does this look legit to you? And they both agreed it did. And the rest of that is 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 history. That's the challenge, right? Is how, how do you defend against that? Because we see, obviously, a lot of scenarios you know, pretty much like that. But you know, expanding on that further, we're, we see in more commonly now, you see organizations where an account maybe in that uh, organization has been compromised. And so an attacker is actually looking at someone in the finances department email behavior 
and they can see who they're invoicing, when they're invoicing, the, you know, the, the cadence, the frequency, the format, everything. And they can just modify it and send the email as if it were from them. But the one big difference is just the bank account number. That then becomes really, really difficult for an email gateway to actually be able to identify because this is a message that's coming from a legitimate, what you think is a legitimate person who you've probably communicated with before, you know, using the language, using the terminology that you're familiar with, you're probably even expecting this invoice. And the only difference is the bank account number has changed. So actually being able to spot that becomes incredibly hard. And that's, I guess, where we get into that real targeted nature is then then we need to start looking at those layers of technology and the human defense on the back of that, which we can touch on that in a second, but the layers of technology to actually start to then identify different characteristics in that message that we can, we can kind of pick out. You know, for example, does the PDF have, you know, if the invoice have the same cyber formatting, has there been any modifications of it? When was the file last saved? And all sorts of other characteristics and try and combine those together to try and build up defenses using, you know, machine learning on, on, on the back of that as well. It's a real challenge for businesses to deal with. I was going to say, I mean, that leads me on really nicely, actually, because one of the things that I've talked about throughout this series has been education of, you know, essentially the, the people that work at organizations we've been banging on for well over 20 30 years about the importance of having different passwords for all your different usernames and everything that you need to access we're, we're now at a point where we're, we're hopefully a lot of people at least know that they should do that whether they do it or not is a different matter of course but now the drum is starting to become more about other things but it must be quite hard to get organizations to see the importance of doing more. So, for example, an organization goes and signs up and gets Microsoft 365. 365 will, of course, say that they have some security tools there. It must be quite important to actually get them to understand that that isn't enough and that they need to add more to their stack. Absolutely. It, it's, it's that layered defense. But again, nothing new. But it really comes down to having a proper strategy within the organizations to really understand and having the skill sets involved inside the organizations to really understand what the heck's going on. Not just, okay, we'll just go with the flow and, you know, everybody else is doing it, so we'll do the same thing. That doesn't fly. You have to have good people in the background who understand, who could take the cover off and go look underneath and go, okay, yeah, that's good, but we need this too. And this is why. But then you also have to have buy-in for management. I know I've done a lot of roundtables. Sometimes it's been jaw-droppingly shocking at how like middle to senior managers don't see cyber as that big of a thing. And my thing is when I'm talking to some board members who are, and generally older board members are kind of stuck like 15, 20 years behind in technology. It's, ah, it's okay. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal because they're not in the front lines. And the thing is, some of these things, they're not perceived as a problem until they're a problem. And when they're a problem, they're a big problem. And that's when it really starts kicking off. And a lot of companies don't want to report stuff. You know, you have to put it you know, on your website, but you should tell somebody, like the government, for instance, that, yeah, this is what's going on. And maybe the, the government should actually be doing more to provide assistance to organizations and companies, especially, you know, medium to smaller companies that can't afford the IT guy. And that's really where one of the weaknesses are, right? So even a small, a medium-sized company could have, you know, a, a really good product and be making a lot of money, but there may be, it may just be a small crew running the place, you know, like 30 individuals working in the company that have a high-tech, you know, application or whatever they're running and making good money. It's new cutting-edge tech, 
But the security is probably pretty weak because they don't have the IT guy. They can't afford that guy raising his finger in a meeting going, uh, no, I don't think we should be doing that. So th- there's there's a lot of work to be done when it comes down to, to that sort of thing. No, absolutely. No, I totally agree. I and mean, then actually it kind of almost takes back to the start where you said, you know, the, uh, the center of everything is people, right? And, and, and it's very much true now, you know, security is not a product that you can buy, <laughs> you know, in order to become a secure or more secure organization, that's kind of a cultural thing. And that's where that whole, you know, awareness comes into play. I mean, you'd be amazed the amount of organizations that will actually change the bank account of an employee that, that sent, they're sending the payroll to and sending their monthly paycheck to off the back of an email. So they, they receive an email with the new bank details, so they just update the payroll system. Well, now, is that process good enough? Is that process robust enough? And, and you know, and similarly, we talked about phishing and phishing links and threats coming through. And you know, in years gone by, people have been sharing the advice, well, have a look at the link, maybe hover over it, and does it look fishy? And actually, I think that that advice goes out the water now because I think it's incredibly hard to expect people to not click on links. I mean, some people, it's their job. You know, if you work in a support department, you might be receiving uh, screenshots or, you know, files from people and you need to be clicking on them and opening them. That's what you do. So I think technology plays a massive role in, in trying to keep this challenge away from people. And so we can solve as much of it as we can. And then we have to we have to rely on on culture and, and in fact breed that culture on the back end where the organisations and, the, and the, the way that people work becomes much more aware and becomes much more robust when it comes to security and, and processes that surround it. I actually did a presentation one time and I actually put an M and M up on the screen and people are like, "No, oh, what's that?" I'm like, "Yeah, this is what security is: nice and crunchy and hard on the outside, but that creamy <laughs> interior is just the best," you know. <laughs> and that's kind of the way it is, right? And you know, get, they get in there, and it's just like you're swimming in chocolate, and it's great, you know. And as a hacker, that's where you want to be in that nice, you know, soft under coating, and you could basically go around. And as Matt said, it's the culture, right? And and unless you know people are aware, and the company takes the time to to do the awareness programs, but properly, because I, I know I've been doing you know stuff with organizations for a long time. And uh, they they try to do cybersecurity awareness programs, and they have these. But it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read it. Scroll down to the bottom. Click. Okay, I read it. Did they? Did they really? No. And, and, and of course, if M M&M and M do the same advert across the world, then then the hacker is aiming to get in bed with with the wife. If you've seen that <laughs> advert in the Canada, I don't know, Rich. But uh, yeah, we've but, had yeah. that here. Yeah, I, I found it interesting. Something that you said, Matt, before about you know, could you? have a piece of software that would actually see and check the formatting of a PDF attachment and things like that. Reminded me a few months ago, I changed my invoices because I had a rebrand for my business, but the formatting just changed. I think the logo went from being on the left-hand side of the page to being on the right. And when I sent my first invoice to one of my clients, who was a fairly big company, I did get a reply back that actually said, and it came not as a reply. Somebody didn't press the reply button. I got a a separate email directly to me that simply said, have you changed anything about your business? And it asked the question. And I replied back at the time, just sort of going, I've had some rebranding done. I've had a new website made. I've got all this. And it only clicked at at the end when I'd written that, that They've come back because they didn't recognize the invoice because it wasn't the same as what they'd been receiving for the previous X amount of months. Thinking about it now, that's a really good example of where it's worked. Yeah. 
that's awesome. That's human process. Hopefully, you kind of got involved there and said, actually, something might be different. They someone's raised the, you know, put their hand up and said, I think this might be different. So we try and check that out of band. That's that's really good. And then on the sort of technology side, one way that we're trying to actually help with that in technology as well is when we spot characteristics like that, when we spot that like things have changed, when maybe maybe this this communication pattern isn't quite right, or maybe we've even identified some compromised accounts in that particular organization where we can actually then insert kind of useful contextual kind of nudges if you like in the banner of people's emails just to kind of let them know say hey this actually might be safe this uh, unsafe this message maybe contains some phrases and characteristics which are kind of similar to other ones that we've seen and you know it gives them then just that little prompt when they need it as opposed to all the time because you know as we all know you get those prompts like to say, oh, do I do you enable macros in Word or whatever it is? You know, you, if you get that every single time, you're always going to just hit the button, right, uh, and just proceed. But you know, contextual nudges that help change user behavior, I think, uh, doing that with technology is another way that you know, another defense, a part of a layered approach that we can help to increase that effectiveness. So we've talked about adding layers a lot there, and we can do that until the budget runs out. So I suppose the, the next question is: is how do we know where to focus? our efforts and 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 where should we actually go in terms of prioritizing what we need in order to build that stack up set by set i think we need to we need to look at risk where, where's the most risk that we're facing as an organization you know can we zoom in on on that risk and in order to be able to do that we kind of i guess we need to try and understand three different things first of all we need to kind of know where our vulnerabilities are you know who's who's vulnerable who's likely to kind of click on those links for example you know who as part of their role might do it or who as part of maybe we've done some phishing simulation to try and understand that we'll build up this picture of individually within the organization that you know who, who potentially is vulnerable and then we can combine that with who's being attacked now, again from a proof point perspective one of the advantages of we, we've got is we can see it from the email flow who's actually being targeted with some of these really bad threats that are coming through. And so we've got build up this picture then and so that says, you know, individually, this person, one, they're vulnerable, and two, they're actually being really kind of heavily targeted at this moment in time by perhaps this particular organization or whatever it happens to be. We can, we can kind of build up that picture. And then if we combine that with who's got privilege, then privilege, maybe they've got access to money, they've got access to data, and, you know, and, and, and I guess it's almost... It's the combination of vulnerability, attack, and privilege. By by putting those together, we can then apply that to individual people and then identify where most risk lies to us as a business. Where's our, our imminent risk? And then if we know that, we can then start focusing our controls around that. And it might be that, you know, if I'm sitting in finance and I'm working in finance and perhaps I'm interacting with risky suppliers and I can move money. You know, it might be that I'm perhaps targeted with a little bit of extra training to help me help me spot some of these threats that come through. Or maybe, you know, I've got additional authentication controls that get applied to my account. So I maybe have to re-authenticate a couple of times during the day as well. So it's it's a case of you know, people are complex, they're different, and and let's treat them differently and apply the right controls in order to to kind of mitigate where that risk lies for us as a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's um, <clears throat> it's absolutely that. And I think basically putting my layman's hat on, uh, what I'm hearing from Matt is basically identifying those pathways in, right? And and, and the routes. And if you look at it as a, a highway coming in, there's off ramps to <laughs> money and data. 
And those off ramps are the people who are targeted on this thing. But if you can, if you can really control, you know, the pathways in and really solidify that portion, then you're kind of on the right, well, you are on the right track. Right. But, you know, let's not forget, we can secure our own companies as much as we want. We can layer technology, do the best cyber awareness programs and bring in really good companies with really high you know, value and credentials and know-how and stuff like that. But it's also how well do we trust the partners on the outside to be as cyber aware and cyber savvy as we are. Right. Because maybe they're not. Right. And they're the ones sending the invoices that may look really legitimate and they could actually be legitimate. And all of a sudden you have a, a compromised pathway that's really, really hard to detect. And that's the threat level that is hard to detect, but very, very sophisticated. So, you know, the chances are something like that happening are there, but the expertise level goes way up on the attacker side. Not to say it's it's not, you know, achievable, but you know, you're talking something a bit higher than, you know, a hacker cloning invoices and things like that. Because as you said, Charles, you know, that got flagged, right? Because you changed the logo position or whatever you had on your on your, on your your invoice. And it went, oh, hmm, that's different. Let's send that back and, and just check where Charles, did you, did you change it? Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's good. That's really good. Like that, that's sophisticated, you know, AI in action. I guess the issue is, is that you're talking about essentially your suppliers or your partners, people from outside of your direct organization. The difficulty is going to be is, let's say, let's let's just take me as an example. I work with many different companies. And if I go to one company and, and become a supplier for them, I then don't usually get anything back from them asking me questions about my security or about even how necessarily I'm going to send files to them. I mean, I've got processes in place that, you know, so it comes from one place and and, and I use secure pieces of uh, tools that are there for me. But I suppose really what we need to do is as organizations is to actually have a process in place that when we take on a new supplier, part of the onboarding process is to I suppose, A, find out how secure they are and then B, help to make them more secure because you're then protecting them. So here you go, mate, here's a favour for you. We'll do something to help you out. But also it's keeping your own organisation secure at the same time. It sounds really simple to do, but I imagine that can be quite an awkward conversation at the same time. Well, it could be because companies will go, well, you know, that's our business. But it's one of those things that a larger company may do. If you want to be a verified partner, then you may have to actually answer some of the questions in the questionnaire saying, well, what security protocols do you and applications do you use? You know, Or in order to work with us, you have to have this or that or this process or ISO or whatever. It's a murky area, but you know, to me, because I've experienced that, you can never trust anybody outside your company, even though they could be your best buddy, who's running a company that's, you know, doing work with you, but how it's one of those things where you just roll your eyes and go, okay, okay. You know, and, and, and who knows, and just hope for the best sometimes because that's, that's sometimes it's all you have. And then you rely on, on the internal stuff on, on, in, within your organization. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think you'll probably will start to see more and more kind of people that work on the supplier management side of things actually 
you know, imposing imposing a little bit on on these organisations to say, actually, you know, if we're going to do business and work together the right way, our communication path needs to be trustworthy. We need you to be doing certain things. And perhaps part of that is we need you to adopt technology like DMARC, for example, so that we can authenticate email that comes from you, so that we've got a little bit more of an understanding that the messages that we're receiving are actually one coming from your systems and then we can start to you know, try and identify whether they're actually coming from your people on the back end as well. So, yeah, th- there's technology that can play a bit of a role in there, but there's definitely, you know, it's, it, I guess it comes down to trust. It's all organizations need to start trusting, trust each other to a certain degree, but they need to ha- actually you know, build up that trust and, uh, and understanding as, as they develop their supplier relationship. Mm-hmm. As Ronald Reagan once said, trust but verify. Yeah. I think that's a key, right? So you have to have some sort of, you know, for lack of a better word, assurance from the other side that, yeah, at least we're doing something, right? It could be something as, you know, encrypt stuff. I noticed just from my past as a a pen tester and security auditor, a lot of the most basic things that are overlooked provide the biggest holes. And sometimes a hacker will go like, oh, this is really good. (laughs) You know, and and, uh, go, okay, it's going to leave that, go make dinner because that's not going to go away and I'll come back and I'll have you know, have a nice evening enjoying this giant hall I found. Um, so finally, gentlemen, if we can, I'd like to just get some final bits of advice, maybe some tips as to where people that are listening right now can can maybe start off and move towards just reaffirming and re-implementing and making their good security even better. Matt, have you got anything to start off with? Yeah, I think so. So I think I was talking about trying to understand the, you know, who's vulnerable, who's being attacked, who's got privilege. I think that all starts with visibility. You know, actually being able to understand, you know, the threats that are coming in and targeting your organization, getting visibility on that is kind of key. And that, that data is there for you right now. It's, you know, it's the email flow that's kind of coming into your organization. So getting visibility on those threats, first of all, and then I'll, you can then add in the picture of, you know, who's being vulnerable by using technology like you know, phishing awareness, simulation, things like that on, on the back of it and combining privilege. And from there, I think you've then got a good understanding of where you need to apply more effectiveness. And ultimately, you know, that's going to help you become a more secure organization. So it all starts with visibility. Do your research, understand where potential threats come from, invest some money into this. So maybe get a third party pen test company to come in and at least do some preliminary work and work with technology providers and vet them, right? You can get a good consultant just by doing a little bit of research on that to to help you with that. And sometimes it's good to get somebody from outside your organization to come in, as we've been talking. So invest, do do your own reconnaissance, you know, from the outside with a a reputable pen test company and um, really have a good hard look at, you know, what that threat environment is and then understand, like we were talking about earlier, those pathways in as Matt was was talking about, because that's the key. And you can eliminate a lot of stuff just by doing some really, really simple things. So do your research, invest in it, invest the, the, some money in, into getting something, you know, looked at from the outside and uh, just basic get, get that understanding as Matt was saying. I think that those are the three keys and trust but verify. You've been listening to Good Isn't Good Enough, a podcast about email security powered by Proofpoint. For more information, check out the links in the podcast description or go to proofpoint.com.